to The Interlude with Drew. What's up, everybody? This is Andrew McCain. I'm here with another episode of The Interlude with Drew. Today's episode is going to be slightly different from what we've been doing before, but I think it's going to be really, really dope. Today's guest is none other than Brittany Morrissey. How you doing, sis? Good to have you on the show. Hi, how are you? Thank you. Absolutely. So Brittany is a nurse, and I think it's so dope that we're able to have uh, an active nurse that has worked through the pandemic, still working now, worked before the pandemic, to be able to share uh, her experiences and talk about uh, what it's like being a nurse and everything like that. So the first question I wanted to ask was, um, when did you know that you wanted to become a nurse? Um, so right out of middle school. Um, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know if it's just like a Caribbean thing. I'll, like there's a lot of nurses and healthcare workers and Caribbean family members um, and family members and families. And um, I kind of wanted to segue away from that because I'm like, this is so predictable. <laughs> like, what do you want to be? And you're going yeah, to be a nurse. Um, and eventually um, I was like, all right, so let me just try to get into a high school. It was really just trying to get a job out of high school. There was actually a school in Queens that trained you to be a, an LPN, which is like the, the base nurse job to have. Right. Um, and so I was like, all right, let me try to get into the school. And I got in, but when I got in, they had just stopped the nursing program that year prior. Oh, wow. So uh, it was like, oh, okay, so those plans are gone. Um, and so then I kind of like went into a health careers uh, situation, not really knowing whether I still wanted to do the nursing thing, but you had to have volunteer hours at a hospital, which was Mary Immaculate at that time, which is shut down now. Um, and I, I had some experience with the, the elderly population and um, that's really what kind of took it home for me. Um, yeah. Just, you know, you, you don't really know what people go through until you sit down and have a conversation with them. And then you don't really know how grateful you are um, yeah. to be in a different situation than they are. And that kind of just is what hit home for me. And after that, it was, um, I have a best friend from middle school and we happened to literally along the way, just come into cahoots and kind of have the same vision. And actually she's also a nurse too. We Our journey together from middle school was literally together every step of the way. So I, I always had somebody who knew exactly what was going on and what I was going through until she moved and I went through the pandemic without her <laughs> but we'll segue into that later but um it was really that it was it was it was coming being in high school doing volunteer work and not knowing what I really wanted to do and letting nursing find me rather than me finding it Wow, that's that's amazing. And, and you know, just just based off of what I know, I know you have to be a special type of person to be a nurse. You can't just do it just because it makes money. Like you talked about you not knowing what people go through until you sit and have a conversation. Mm -hmm. I think that empathy uh, plays a huge factor. Right. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that is the heart of nursing. Um, mm -hmm. is, and, and they and they can teach you that in terms of the term, but mm -hmm. in terms of the compassion. If it's not there, and I can say that now, you know, for being five years in, right. um, that if it's not there here, mm -hmm. there's no way you're gonna make it. Right. Especially going through a pandemic, which no one saw coming. Right. If it's not in here, and I've seen nurses that have been nurses for 30 plus years after a pandemic say, that's it for me. Um, again, and so we'll we'll segue into that later, but um, if, if it's not really deeply rooted into you, there's only so long you can go for the money. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. So um, so you went to nursing school. How, how was that? I know most people, like a lot of people don't make it through and everybody that does make it through, it seems like they're just like scraping, like, you know, with everything in them to make it through. What was it like for you? So, you know, ironically, and um, not, not everybody knows this story, so it's interesting. Um, after high school, I ended up going to a college in the Bronx, um, went to do prerequisites for two years, waiting to get into the nursing program, the semester before getting into the nursing program, because they only opened up the nursing program one time a year. Um, I actually had no school. Like I did, I wasn't even enrolled in anything because I had already took every single prerequisite, like literally forced them into, um, semesters just so I knew that I would be ready. But then you had to take a test to get into the nursing program mm -hmm. during that semester prior. So I came back, my friend also, um, we were done at the same time. Literally, I, I 
I pride myself on the fact of having a 3.99 GPA before getting into this nursing program. Yeah. Didn't matter, right? Because you could have had a 2.9, but you needed to pass that test. (laughs) It didn't even matter. Yeah. So we went and we, we went to go uh, take the test and, um, Let's just say when we got there before, when everyone's lined up doing their last minute studying, everyone had a different book than we had. So we were like, hmm, that's interesting. Everyone else has the same book that they're studying from, but this is the book that we had that we were kind of told this is the one we're supposed to have. Long story short, we literally both walked out of having the exam because you get the results right away. And it was, this was the line to me and this was our score. Ooh, oh man. So it literally hit us as soon as we hit the door and we both had the biggest breakdown of life because we knew we would have to wait another year to try this again. Um, And I, I, I don't know how else to say it, but I think I went into my first time biggest depression of life. Mm -hmm. And for somebody that I went through life with for a really long time, I didn't talk to her for maybe two, three months. I didn't talk to anybody. Oh, wow. I was just like, what is my life now? So dramatic. I'm not going to lie. Just I mean, completely it, it, I'll say it now, but it was a very big thing for me because I'm like, I waited all this time just to get under a line. And that that is what made the decision. It didn't matter how much work I put in before. It didn't matter what the GPA was. It didn't matter what you were involved in. You needed to get above that line and you got right here. And there was no negotiation. Wow. They told us that off the bat. Yeah. So because it was so competitive mm-hmm. um, and because it was CUNY, which is the, the city University of New York, it's cheaper to, to be able to do that. Um, so again, didn't talk to her for two to three months. And then one day she kind of just called me and was like, listen, we gotta, we gotta figure this out. I answered the phone finally. And I was like, she was like, I don't know what you're going to do, but I'm not going to go through this without you. And I'm going to find a way for us to get in. We, it was late within that fall semester. And she went on a prowl for schools that were still taking applications. It came down to two. One called us back and told us that, listen, we don't, we're not taking any more. Sorry, you have to wait. And then that one more that was left was like, come on in. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and that was, that was NYIT in Old Westbury. Okay. Um, and you know, you never really know the blessing that God's going to have, have for you until you get there. Cause every step of the way, when we got there, we became, she was president of the student nurses association. I was vice president of student nurses association. Yeah. I had, I was on the Dean's committee for nursing, like their representative. Yeah. Right. And so we were cool with every professor. They, you know, we were rep class representatives. And so I think that had I been in the other school, that mm-hmm. might not have been the case. Right. The networking was phenomenal. They sent us to Florida to, for conferences. It was just like, all these opportunities are coming left and right at a place that I just never thought that I would be. Um, But nursing school in itself, probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I ate, slept and drank that thing. And my mom talks about it to this day. My friend, she lived in Far Rockaway. She basically lived with us. Uh We fell asleep around tables. I have pictures of them like literally capturing us with two cups of coffee right next to us and three textbooks around us. Um, people that follow me on Instagram can remember literally seeing us up at two, three, four, five o'clock in the morning, needing to be at school at seven yeah. to take an exam. Um, yeah. I was a little overboard. Like she would say, you know what, D, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> and I'd be like, no, 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 no. But then she would have to drive us in the morning because I was just too tired to go. Right. Um, yeah. but it, 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 it was rough. It was a rough couple of years. It is, it's, I, 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 I can't equate it to anything else. Mm -hmm. Um, any other schooling that I've been through it's a lot of material it's uh I I make the joke all the time that nursing tests are different from other tests because there's always two right answers and multiple choices and you have to choose the one that's most correct wow (laughs) so both answers a and b can be correct but the answer the question is which one is the most correct? Oh, yeah. That, um, and they taught us that on the first day. And it's like, well, this is not something you can play with. You have to know this thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, people can find their way around whatever. But then when you get into the real deal, you know that this is something that you really need to know. Or our test that we have to take at the end to make us certified. It's not like, oh, you talk about you study this, you study that. It's study everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and when when whatever you get on your exam in terms of what questions get thrown at you, it can come from 
the smallest part of your textbook that's in the corner, you know, the little little parts in the corner that nobody really reads. Yeah. That's where the question is from. Wow. Um, and so I will say that they prepared us well because throughout nursing school, that's what they would do. They would take the questions from the little corners in the side that no one would read or think about. And then, you know, eventually you would get you would get through it. But it it was a very, very rough time. I will not tell anyone who's going into nursing that you're it's about to be easy. You need to breathe, sleep, eat that thing mm-hmm. completely. Because between clinicals, between, you know, exams that are hands-on like simulations where they give you real life situations that happen, you're juggling all of this plus life right. at yeah. the same time, yeah. right? Um, and I only know what's possible. I didn't have, you know, a husband and kids and full-time job like everybody else. I was working one day at, God bless Walgreens, one day a week at Walgreens they let just, you, to, oh, just, just to have, just to have gas to go back right. and forth Talking because that was in Long Island. Um, but there were people that, you know, full-blown lives, full-blown, full-time mom and dads, and they were tired, but they had a goal in mind and it was, we're going to make it through one way or another. And they did. And so anybody that's, thinking about even the medical field period, if again, if you're not for it, there's no way you're making it through. And if you do make it through, when you get to the real deal, you can only last for so long. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking about what (laughs) I had to do that. So hats off to go through nursing school and actually make it in the career. Cause that's that's Mm -hmm. a different level of commitment right there. Absolutely. So- Prior to the pandemic, so like, because you said you were five years in, so mm-hmm. what, what was the most rewarding part for you of being a nurse? Um, two things. Uh, I have, I, I've always thought that being a nurse was more than just giving the medication mm-hmm. and documenting, right? Um, and I think that sometimes it's a hard, even for newer nurses, to, to, to grasp because when you get in, you want to so much not make a mistake that you forget the fact that the person in the bed you need to have some sort of relationship with, right? Because no one knows your patient more than you do. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm glad that I learned that very early on. I had some really good preceptors when I first came in and they kind of just wanted to embed that in me that it's not like you're just, you don't just, okay, medications to do at 12 o'clock. Hey, Mr. So-and-so, here's your medication. You walk out, you document medication, give it and it's done. You Mm want to be able to say, hey, Mr. McCain, how's your day? Hey, Mm -hmm. Mr. McCain, How's life at home? Have you spoken to your wife today? You know, how are you feeling today? You feeling down today? What is it that makes you happy? What is it that I can do to make your stay a little bit better? Nobody wants to be in the hospital, but since we're here, what are we going to do to make life a little bit easier? Right. Right? And I learned that very early on. And I think that's for me, that for me itself was was most rewarding to learn that early on and to be able to say every patient that come across, whether they're mad and angry about their life situation because we do have that and some of them are just angry and they project it on you but it's not on purpose it's it's being able to develop a relationship with someone who you you don't know but their sickness and their diagnosis brings you together and you can be that person that they need because you know some of them don't even have family and you then become their family Mm -hmm. um so that that for me is the rapport and the building of relationship with patients is was was number one I always wanted to make sure that's the kind of nurse that I wanted to be. And I started off with that mindset from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's, that's probably the most rewarding. And then the second most rewarding, I would say was knowing that I was eventually, but knowing that I was being watched without knowing that I was being watched. Right. So for your peers who are 20, 30 years in more than you, they might not express it to you, but you hear along the great lines that uh, the great lines that, you know, they're actually looking at you and looking up to you and seeing how you maneuver and seeing how you handle difficult patients sometimes. I mean, it was about uh, my story essentially is, 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 I would say especially it was like a year and a half maybe in and I had an assistant nurse manager at night because I worked at night and she kind of just like was watching me and I didn't know. And then one day she was just like, oh, I'm going to go check on the other units. You want to come? I'm like, okay, cool. It's kind of weird that you're asking me to go check on the other units with you, but cool. So we walk and we go say hi to everybody. Everybody okay on the other units that she she was covering. And maybe three, four weeks after that, she called me in the office and she was just like, so I know you thought that me asking you to come and 
see the other units with me was just like me just saying, you know, I want a company. But the truth of the matter is I'm leaving and I want you to take my position. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. Yeah. So this was only, and this was just a year and a half. And, and immediately I was like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a year and a half since I need some time. Yeah. There's people here that have been here five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, even 20 years. You mm -hmm. can choose one of them. Yeah. Um, and she kind of just had that conversation with me that it's not about the amount of years that you're here. It's about what you show forth. Wow. Um, and if I see something in you, sometimes what it is is that people have to see things in you that you don't see in yourself. Right. And they have to shine the light to let you know that you're capable. Yes. You're right. And so, you know, they say, you know, God doesn't call, you know, qual yeah. you know, he doesn't call, they don't call the qualified and qualify the called and all yeah. that other good stuff. Um, and so that's really what resonated with me. I had to, I even had to have, to have a conversation with my mom. She's like, you don't know if you're ever going to have this opportunity again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I don't like to make things, I try my best not to make things black and white, but sometimes it is difficult for people of color to get in certain positions. It is. That's right. the bottom line, right? It doesn't mean that it's every organization because I don't believe that my organization is like that. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the reality is in, on an overall spectrum that sometimes it is difficult for people of color to get in certain positions. Right. And my mom is like, you turn this down. You never know if you're going get to this, get this opportunity ever again. Mm -hmm. um, and I faced some backlash um, from my peers who happened to be older than me, oh, she just got here. Yeah, yeah. Well, why did I, and she's gonna tell me what to do now, mm -hmm. right? And so in the beginning, it was a little rocky. Um, and then I, I stayed in that position again for another year and a half. Um, and then again, out of nowhere, you know, pandemic happened to hit, manager went out because she now is an NP and she happened to be pregnant. So she's on maternity leave. Oh. Middle of the pandemic, I get a phone call. Hey, just so you know, I'm not coming back, but I want you to take my position. Wow. <laughs> I will never forget that day. It was a rough day in the middle of the pandemic. I'm in my car in the parking lot. She calls me and she's like, I, I think I'm ready to stay out, but you've been doing it. Mm -hmm. So, and you've been filling in for me while I'm gone. It's your turn. It's your time now. Wow. Um, and again, you know, self-doubt is a real thing. It oh, yeah. really is a real thing. Cause I was like, I, got back to that point again where I'm like oh no not nurse manager <laughs> I'll be anybody's assistant I got you but for me to be running the show now yeah but because we were in the midst of a pandemic and and it was just the very beginning I had a lot of my staff almost counting on me to take that which was a different different end of the spectrum now because before yeah. it was oh she just got here but right. now it's like she's proven herself this much yeah who else to do it? Who else that knows us more? Who's been rocking with us through this entire thing? I mean, while she was out, I was on the night shift. Then I was on the day shift. Then yeah. I was doing nights and day shift at the same time, switching my schedule back and forth. It yeah. was nuts. Yeah. Tired is an understatement. Mm -hmm. um, and so eventually I was just like, okay, you know, I've been rocking with them for this long. Let me step up again. Um, right. Of course, I had to go through the formality and the interview process. And that was fine. I had like, three or four interviews, I promise you, um, because they wanted to make sure they had the right person for the job. Every interview, I was never nervous, never nothing, had about six, seven, eight people in front of me. Mm. And it was like, let God, if this is it, then this is yeah. what it's going to be. Happened, Got yeah. the phone call, you're good to go. But it wasn't, it was, a e it was an easier transition because of the fact that I've been there. I've been going through the trenches with everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I think just the, 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 the pandemic itself and the, the environment that we were in, there wasn't even time for, oh, she just got here. Mm -hmm. It was, all right, we find, we have somebody that's solid. Yeah. Um, so that, that for me, again, is that was my second most rewarding is knowing that you're being watched when you don't even think you're being watched. And right. so, you know, you want to always put your best foot forward. I tell that to people that I'm hiring now, you put your best foot forward at all times because you really never know where just being yourself and being true to yourself and to your patients is going to get you. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Just like seeing the favor and right with your hard work. Cause I don't want right. to, I don't want to discount that. Cause I know you were working hard and it was noticed. So right. I was able to get you in a, in a great position and like mm -hmm. seemingly a, a quicker time than is right. you know, normal. Very short time. Very short time, very short time to grow up as a nurse. Oh, yeah.
I can. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. So last year in 2020, um, I'm trying to think for me as just a regular civilian, the first time I had heard something about a pandemic was probably late. Well, not pandemic, but uh, coronavirus it was like late mm -hmm. February, probably. Mm -hmm. I didn't think anything of it because, you know, every once in a while there's something mm -hmm. and you'll hear about it for like a, a week or two and then it'll pass. So that's kind of what I, I attributed to, like, you know, that's just another, like, not SARS, but like something to that effect. Mm -hmm. It's serious, but it, it'll yeah. be gone in just a little bit. Another swine when, flu. Yeah, yeah, swine <laughs> flu. Yeah, so when was the first time, if you can remember, that you had started hearing, like, whispers about uh, corona? The whispers were the end of February. Our first patient in the hospital was, like, almost mid-March, beginning of March. Okay, okay. Um, and even then, yeah, okay, we heard about it. It was like, all right, one patient, all yeah. right, two, all right, maybe five. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was like, the surge was, was uh, just phenomenal the way that it happened because it went from just a few to, oh, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> hold on, what is going on here? Um, and, and I will say, as a, as a civilian on the outside, we were fighting a different kind of war. Mm. Like you, and we literally talk about it to this day, like we would come outside of the building and it would be like, we're stepping into a different world, wow. a different kind of place. But when you walked into it, you knew from the time you stepped front foot of the door, even if it was not on a unit, you knew this, get your gear ready. Mm -hmm. Where's your armor? because you're going to need something to fight this world world war three healthcare yeah. war mm -hmm. that is about to go down. Um, and in the beginning, again, we were just kind of like going with the flow. It was, it was, it was very scary for a lot of staff because things were so unknown. It was just like, okay, especially with the, the gear, right? Because I know everybody was hearing that, you know, we're in a shortage of this, we're in a shortage of that. New York was the epicenter for, for COVID period. Right. So New York was getting it worse than anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was rough because it was like one day that, you know, infection control and CDC would say, okay, all you need is a surgical mask. Yeah. Then it went from that to, you need a surgical mask and you need an N95. Then it was, you need a surgical mask and N95 and a mask with a shield. Yeah. Yeah. Then it was, you need all three plus a gown. Mm. Then it was, you need th all three plus a gown plus a suit. So it was just like, are we protecting ourselves? what's the real story here yeah. you know then it was all right if you go in a room with your gear on make sure you take it off before you go into another room i don't know how if people really understand how difficult that is when you have six rooms yeah um and yeah. then it got to the point where it was like okay go into the room with that same gear you're wearing that gear all day now just no matter what because everybody got the same thing yeah. It's okay. yeah yeah but that uncertainty of not knowing what's going to change the next day and whether now everyone's putting themselves at risk, you don't know what's really protecting you. Right. We, you know, we didn't have the issue where we didn't have enough gear. I know a lot of hospitals did. We didn't have that issue. It was there, but they were being very strategic with it. Okay, you get one N95 a day. Okay. Okay, maybe you can change your N95 today. Okay, maybe you need to use this one N95 for two days. Hold on. Oh. Right. So it just, it just depend on where we were in that moment, but there was never a time where someone needed something and it was like, Oh no, we, we don't, we don't got it for you yeah. because people were always given the opportunity to, to be protected. Right. Um, so it, it, that beginning month was very, very scary for a lot of people because we just did not know. Yeah. You didn't know what to expect. And the more we turned around, we went from five, six, seven, eight patients to, okay, one floor is designated to just COVID. And before we knew it, every single floor in my hospital, every single floor, I kid you not, no exaggeration, was for COVID patients. Oh my Our lobby area where you walk in and go, oh, I want to go see my friend. And the lobby area turned into a triage. Oh, wow. Right? So, yeah. and we had like three lobby areas. Every single one of them had beds. Man. Right? Our ICU, we had to extend it and literally ask the hospital next door, can we have a, a, a space wow. to have ICU beds? Really? Wow. Right. We had patients that didn't have COVID come in very seldom. So we now had to have another floor in a Pretty children's well. hospital yeah. <laughs> for adult patients that were non-COVID. 
Oh my goodness. We have a nursing home next door. We then had to ask them for a space. Really? And now have face. It was the, (laughs) I don't even know how to explain it. It was the most craziest thing I've ever experienced in my life. So where people on the outside are like, you know, we're on lockdown, you know, we're on a pause. Everyone's at home and they're all, if this thing's really real, no, this hospital was packed. It doubled its own capacity, right? So rooms that were only one bed, mm-hmm. they had to make room and put things down just to put another bed in there because we literally had nowhere to put people. Wow. Um, and, and it wasn't like, oh, these are people that were just testing positive. And okay, they're fine. No, these are people that were really sick, yeah. really sick. Um, and the, again, it wasn't like it was just hitting the elderly population. I can tell you now that I've watched 20 and 30 year olds take their last breath in front of me with no past medical history of anything. Wow. So it, 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 it was a real thing and it was a big deal for, and I want, it's not, it wasn't just the nurses. It wasn't just the doctors. You know, there were, there were those unseen heroes that no one really talks about, like the respiratory therapist that is running to, to get somebody oxygen. It's the man that picks up the garbage in the room that he has to now put himself at risk, yeah, or herself at risk, open the room and go to all these rooms, not knowing yeah. what's gonna hit him when, he, when he's just going in just to reach for the garbage. Because yeah. first it was, if you touch somebody, you're gonna get it. Then it was, if you breathe the same air that you get somebody, you're gonna get it, right? So there are some really unsung heroes that we, we tend to forget. Yeah, we don't talk about our nurse. We don't talk about them. Our nursing assistants, they were killing themselves. Like we were, it it was our nurses ended up from where there were five and six patients to 10. Mm. Right. We had travel nurses from all over the place coming. It was just one of those things that if you were not in the building, there's no way even me explaining it, you would really be able to understand what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And there are people dropping like flies every single day. Um, and the position that I was in, I had to run to those emergencies, whether they were on another floor or not. So it wasn't just my floor that I was covering. Wow. And so I would go through 20, 16, 15 emergencies a day and watch these people either get intubated and sent off to ICU or literally somehow in these emergencies, I ended up being like the iPad person because we didn't have any visitors. Yeah. Right. So people were taking their last breath in front of us. We were their family. We were the ones that were holding their hands. I remember literally holding an iPad with four uh, siblings on it and their dad was the one that was going down and it was them just crying and literally saying to him goodbye through an iPad. And on that iPad and during that time, that's when he took his last breath. That's how they saw him go out. And that was your, that was your idea to do the iPad, right? So it wasn't, our hospital literally got to a point where it was like, what are we going to do? So they actually ordered a bunch of iPads um, and they took, uh, staff members. So now, remember, surgery is closed. So all those outpatient ambulatory surgery places, at least they were able to use that staff. Now they came in. They can't really do what we do because that's not what they're used to. So they became the iPad team. Oh. And they would come around and they would now have to put themselves at risk just to go in the room and say, hey, do you want to say hi to your family today? Yeah. Wow. You know? And so that's what it was. It just happens. It just so happened that during these, what we call rapids or emergencies, when people are, are decompensating, that I ended up with the iPad. I just always ended up with the iPad. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I remember that day with the siblings, somebody looked at me holding it with tears running down my eyes and they're like, are you good? And I'm like, I, I'm not. And someone had to take over and I literally had to go get myself together in the hallway. When I got in the hallway, a nurse that has been there for over 30 years was having a whole breakdown. And I was like, oh, so it's not just me. <laughs> it's not just me, literally. And it, it also brought us together because, you know, managers, we don't always see each other. And there were, it was that one time where there was like three managers were passing each other in the hallway and we're just shaking our head and we leaned up against the wall, just, just leaned up and all three of us just started just bawling because there was no words to explain what was happening in that moment. How is it that all these people are dropping like fives? How is it that this 30 year old that has no past medical history can get COVID and within two days not be able to breathe, get intubated, and while intubated, stop. And there's no way to save them. We literally felt helpless. There was no way to fight this thing. This was like straight from, like, I mean, you know, whatever, we're churchy, straight from the pits of hell. This thing was crazy. And and sometimes with some patients, I'll tell you, it was like a two-week thing. They'll be fine for a week, 
we're getting through it. And somehow the second week, I remember a lady, I thought she was going home. She was supposed to be discharged the next day. Wow. And the day before, all of a sudden, she's <sighs> intubated, intubated for a very long time. I was very still close to her family. I still talk to them to, to, to this day. Mm-hmm. And I literally held her hand the whole time. You got it, Miss Marie. You got it. You, you're going to get through this. I went to see her in ICU every single day that I was on. She wasn't even on my floor anymore. I was like, this lady has to get through this. And she didn't make it. Oh, man. She didn't make it. Wow. I, I had two Mr. Baileys held their hand right before. Wow. One of them literally looked at me in my set and said, you know, Deidre is actually my, my first name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he literally said, Deidre, I'm going to fight through this thing. Two days later, he was gone. So it, 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 it wasn't an experience like no other. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, again, if you weren't in it, I can only explain it to you so much, but even just explaining it is not enough to really detail the, the, mental, <laughs> the mental strain that it had. Because even now as a new manager, right? Now I'm, now I'm having to deal with COVID itself yeah. and then 70 staff members who all have their own issues who are all scared who are all coming to me saying what's happening what are we going to do now right then of course i got to worry about my own family and myself yeah so it was it was it was it was quite a mental strain a mental fight um physically of course we're tired but i think for me my mental was the one thing i was like i need to keep this intact yeah because I had moments where I would just, I thank God I had an office, go in there, cry, <laughs> literally let it out and go back outside like nothing happened. Yeah. Because I couldn't show my staff that I was fighting a different fight. Yeah. Because yeah. they needed somebody leading them that was ready to hold down the fort. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It, 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 it you know, and then we would walk outside and everyone's, you know, whoever's outside there, you know, chilling and right, I'm going back home now and going to go get my stimulus check and I'll be fine and you know like like, no but let's be real on the talk about it yeah 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 because and I'll I'll say for nurses specifically a lot of us didn't get a stimulus check yeah right right everybody like oh I'm waiting for the next one I'm still waiting for my first one right (laughs) right so people were just like it was all about okay I could stay home I could work from home healthcare workers can we can't work from home right if we're not in there who's going to save the day who's going to do what we need to do so um, and then, you know, with our hospital having so much, we had people that were actually like, uh, recording, they were doing a documentary at the same time. Oh, really? So there is a documentary that should be out soon. I think I had posted it on my Instagram where they kind of did like a little trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm probably going to do that again, just in kind of like, uh, refocus and see when it's actually going to come out, yeah. but it, it, it gives, it's like literally the raw, Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's raw right raw footage of exactly what we were what we were going through um i don't know i mean sometimes you know a lot of the staff to this day after things started to die down they really had to say to themselves you know is this really what i want to do for the rest of my life can i really go through another surge like that again um i had one staff member i'll tell you was probably the saddest thing um she happened to get covid a lot of my staff members also i half cut in half because they all got it. Wow. Cut in half, literally. So I had about 70, I had about 35 left because every single one of them started dropping like flies. Wow. Thank God I didn't lose any of them to it, but yeah. a lot of them had quite a fight to get through it. And one happened to, I mean, we don't, we can't say that this is what happened, but essentially if we just were going to be real, she brought it home. Her husband got it. He got admitted and he died. Oh my goodness. So now she's living with that, yeah. you know, that, yeah. that yeah. reality that yeah. I could have, I could have been the reason why my husband's not here anymore. Wow. It was a very rough time for the entire unit, yeah. right? Because now everybody's like, I got kids at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rough. Yeah. To say the least. Yeah, yeah. That's... Um, but we, but I also would say that that is the one time in my entire career that I've ever seen healthcare workers again and I'm talking about the my, the man or the woman that picks up the garbage the person that makes the beds the person that delivers material we've never been so together mm-hmm. 
we've never I, I will almost say we're not even as together as we were then that, that as we are now okay right because it's not as bad at this point but at that point it was like everybody had to lean on somebody and it didn't matter whether he was red and yellow black or white yeah. If you needed somebody to lean on in that moment, somebody that's just walking by in the hallway just to give you a hug, you know, people weren't hugging. We were hugging because sometimes you really just needed a hug. Yeah, right, right. Um, so it again, unexplainable. That's the best that I can say. We yeah. got through it. Um, but there were some there were some battles that we that we had to fight. And again, like I said, I had my own life outside. I was trying to still be in church. You know, church was locked down, but we were still doing Zoom. Yeah. Um, so we were still having praise team practices and all that other stuff. And, you know, if I came off a night shift, I would try to come go to church in the morning yeah. and then go back to work at night. My schedule was kind of just like all over the place. And I was trying to be, you know, superwoman until at some point it was just like, I have, I, I'm not sure if I can continue doing it this way. I got to take care of myself. And believe it or not, I went through that entire surge going into rooms and untouchable to COVID at that time. Wow because eventually I did get it, but oh. it wasn't until this not January. During, not during the height of it. Right, it wasn't, which made it even more confusing to everybody else because yeah, it was yeah. like, you were dead stamped in these rooms, holding people's hands, having them yeah. blow in your face. Hugging people and stuff, yeah. And now, when it's kind of like dying down, here you go. Yeah, yeah. I said the same thing to myself. How is this possible? Right. Right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I hate the fact that I had it because of what I went through, but I, I, I'm grateful for what I had because it also made me more grateful to the fact that, wow, I really was somebody for these people that had, a, when I say these people went out suffering, if it was anything compared to what I went through for those three weeks of having COVID, they went out suffering. Three weeks of a fight. Wow. Three weeks of literally moments of my mom saying, I don't know if she's going to make it out of this. Wow. Three, three, like days and days of not being able to tolerate food, not being able to breathe, mm. chest pains, things that waking up in the middle of the night, hospital admissions I'm in my own hospital, yeah. <laughs> right? Me telling the doctor, you know what? If I'm if if I'm gonna go out, I need to go out at home. I don't want to see you guys as the last as the last people that I see before I go. Wow. Right. So if these people went through what I went through and me just experiencing that for experiencing that for that time, they went out suffering. Yeah. Wow. They went they really went out suffering. Wow. Um, and and it, I was grateful to know that I, it, I was holding hands of people that at least there was somebody there. Yeah. Somebody. Because yeah. there was somebody because it's it was hard. And, yeah. you know, for doctors and, and such that you know, have essentially kind of went through this before. Sometimes as healthcare workers, when we're there long enough, things, you don't really feel the compassion anymore. Yeah. It's like, okay, this person is 85 year old, history of diabetes, renal failure, stage four cancer. Mm, they're probably gonna go anywhere moving on. Yeah, right. And so you kind of lose that a little bit. And sometimes I, we did, I, I had like arguments with people in that moment of like, hold on, this person still matters. What you mean they not getting a, a uh, which mean they're not able to get intubated. Yeah. Which you mean we're going to skip over them and, and go to this next person. No, this person deserves a chance too because we were having a shortage, right? Yeah. Of, 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 of um, um, it's missing me now, but we were just, we, we were having a shortage of things that were going to keep people alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was another fight because they had to get to a point where it was like ventilators. It, it got uh, to a point where it was like, well, who, who, who who's going to make it more? Who we're going to give it to? Yeah. Right. And so when you develop these relationships with these patients and you hear, oh, no, nah, this one's not a candidate. It's like, what you mean? You get emotional. It's like you want to you want to literally physically fight. No, you're going to get I literally got to with one with one guy. Like, He's going to get one. His yeah. daughter's not here. Fine. Whatever. He's going to get one. And I knew deep down in my soul he wasn't going to make it. But give him a chance. Yeah, fighting chance. And so they did. They gave him a chance, and they they were trying to hit me with the "I told you so." But I'm like, but he lived for three extra days. I'm all right with that. Yeah, right, right. I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. But it, it was that that was also another difficult thing where it was like, who's who's gonna get the ventilator? Man. Uh, essentially, we had more than I think a lot of uh, a lot of situations other hospitals were in. But there were moments where it was like, is it really worth 
putting this person on the ventilator when another person who's a little bit more healthier could need it in the moment that we have him on it. Wow. Yeah. And how do you explain that to a family member? I know you want everything done, but we just don't have the equipment for everything to be done. That's not not cool. Yeah, not cool. Right. So, and we made it. (laughs) We made it through as best as we could. Yeah, Yeah. it's interesting what you said about like coming on the outside and seeing what people were really talking about Mm -hmm. and and, like being consumed with. It's like wow. No, I mean I saw people saying it's fake. There's no way that there was that many people in there. Oh, all these people can't be dying of COVID. No. Granted, these people, there are people that had a lot of other, you know, prior history things that probably w- would have taken them out. COVID heightened everything else. Yeah. Right. So if you came in with issues that maybe you felt like you had under control, once COVID hit you, it put all those issues on 10. Oh. So your organs now that were just kind of like fighting through the renal failure that you might have had or your organs that are, you know, kind of fighting through the cancer or whatever. Now you're times 10 because COVID's in the body rocking every single organ that you got. And so when your labs are here and your vitals are here and then they switch places, people don't understand that dynamic, right? And doctors really have to figure out what's more important. Do we, do we handle the labs? Do we check, do the blood pressure at the same time? Do we give them fluid, but they're going to be in fluid overload, but what's the risk that out, what, what, what outweighs what? Right. That's difficult. And to do that for over, for a double the capacity amount of patients that's in a hospital with not that many staff members. How do you, how do you maneuver? So when people are like, oh, that's fake, that's this, that, and the third, I actually had someone say to me, a few people say to me, I still didn't believe COVID was real until you got it. Oh, that long? And I just got it. I just got it in January. Wow. I still didn't believe that COVID was real until you got it. Until I saw that you were down. Until I saw that you could not answer my phone calls for two weeks. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's hard. And I get there's so many theories and things out there that kind of sway people back and forth. You know, this vaccine situation is a whole nother conversation, right? Yeah. And so I get it. I understand. But when you have someone actively in there telling, you know, this thing is not, not a joke, believe it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Believe it. We, we ain't making things up. We're, we're in there. We ain't got time to be making stuff up. Oh, Nobody yeah. wants to be going through this. Right. But but I, I'm I'm glad we made it through. I'm glad my staff made it through. I'm glad I work for an organization that really was just kind of trying to pull people together and do the best that we can. They were offering, you know, counseling and all that other stuff that holistic nurses coming to us to just make sure everybody was okay. Chaplains coming up, like anybody need a prayer, I got you. Yeah. You know, just little little things, you know. We had outside uh places could send us food, patients who had a good amount of money. Some of their families were just like feeding us every single day, you know? So there were some things that was like, all right, let me give you guys a pick me up yeah. to get along the way because it was rough. It yeah. was rough, but, but we, we, we got through it and we, we still have, you know, now we're trying to find out where the norm is again. And right. that's really what the, what the, what the issue now is that where's our norm again and where, you know, you're hearing so much about this new strain that's possibly coming. Everybody's like, Oh man, come on. I don't know if I can do this again. Yeah. I got people that's literally saying to me, if we got to do this again, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, I can see that. Man. I'm telling you, like, I'm telling you now, I'm out. <laughs> so, um, and it, it is what it is, but we, we've done the best that we can and we've gotten a, a lot of support. And I think that it, it takes a lot. Again, no matter what, 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 you know, you became essential and you didn't even know you were essential. Right, right, yeah. Like, at one point we were like, I, I, at one point I literally said, I don't want to be essential no more. <laughs> I don't want to be essential anymore because essential means put your life on the line. Yep, yep, yep. Right. That's the UPS food. worker. That's 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 even the people outside. People yeah. that was on the outside, then the supermarket guys didn't even know how yeah. essential they were until we had until we had one of those, mm-hmm. right? Until it happened. So it's 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 a lot, but but we we made it through and. um I think even just as New Yorkers and, and, and tri-state areas, people that were like really hit hard, um, we, we, we came together pretty well. I, I think we really did. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's incredible. So I don't want to hold too much of your time, but I just, I'm so mm-hmm. thankful that you were able to paint this picture because, you know, I, I've yeah. talked to some nurses and they've shared their experiences, but 
like just the way how you broke it down and like the examples you gave and being that you were in New York, it just makes makes me feel it so much stronger and like so much like gratefulness to you, you all that were on the inside working tirelessly. While, like you said, we were on the outside after a while, you kind of adjusted to the lockdown. People talking about right. Netflix shows and stuff like that. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. Everybody had time to watch all their shows, binge yeah. watching and popcorn yeah. eating and who's, you know, and again, a different fight, a different yeah. fight. So, yeah. um, you know, shout out to everybody that in, in, that did something with their quarantine time. No, shout out to that. There are people that, you know, found new talents within themselves that they didn't even know they had. Like they used their time wisely. And mm -hmm. I, I can appreciate that much. You know, you weren't in there with us, but you did something with your time. You weren't just sitting here right. doing nothing and yeah. thinking that, all right, I'm going to just wait for the next check. Yeah. I appreciate people that really was like, you know what? Let me do something. I'm home. Mm -hmm. Whether it was a, a weight loss journey or a, 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 I'm, now I know how to sew, or now I know how to draw, or now I'm playing a new instrument. I've seen a lot of things, but I'm like, well, look at you. Yeah. Well, then quarantine, bless you. Ain't <laughs> that something? So that's fine. Like, that kind of just made me feel better that, to know that people wasn't just sitting home like, all right, what's the next Netflix show? Right. Like, you right. know, so, and and I and, and, and I will also say, I had people that would, would text me and say, sometimes I just needed, are you okay? Yeah. You good? Yeah. You hanging in? You know, I had people that I, I didn't really even speak to like that. Just mm -hmm. kind of messaged me on Instagram. Like, I know you got some things going on right now. Are you okay? Yeah. That meant a lot. Just, just those three, are you okay? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it, it is what it is. We're, we're doing the best that we can. Um, I'm going to put a little tidbit in the vaccine thing. I know people feel a lot of different ways about this. Oh, it just came out, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going to tell you, just my own opinion. In the beginning, I was like, oh, no, they just made this. Yeah, I ain't got time. Yeah. We're not doing that. Y'all yeah. don't know what y'all making. I'm not doing that. But when we say after I went through COVID, I literally was like, when I came out of it, I said, give me whatever you got. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because if it means not having to go through that again, Mm -hmm. then I, I'm willing to take that chance. Personally, everybody can do whatever they want to do. Um, because, And I'm saying that because a lot of people have asked my opinion on it. So I'm openly yeah. saying what it is. I, I am fully vaccinated now. Uh -huh. And in the beginning, I literally was like, oh, no, nah. let me let everybody else go first. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see how it works out for you. And if it works out okay for you, then, then maybe I'll go ahead and take it. Yeah. After I had COVID and went through that three weeks of hell, I said, if you make something tomorrow, I need it today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get it, right? right? If you make it tomorrow, I need it today. It was that urgent for me. Because mm -hmm. I was like, I cannot go through that again. Yeah. Um, so I, I would behoove people to really think about the risk and the benefits for themselves mm -hmm. and not be so quick to think, to listen to what everybody else got. Do your own research, right? right? And, you know, a lot of people have their own theories and what they think and blah, blah, blah. You know, and is it Moderna? Is it Pfizer? Is it Johnson and Johnson? Have my own feelings about Johnson and Johnson because they yeah. had some issues in the past with some other things, right? Baby powder, come on now. Yeah. So yeah. I understand that. I get it, right? But overall, do your own research. I will say, don't just you know take what you hear and run with it. Um, you know, they say believe half of what you hear. And this, this, this. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the saying, but it's like. Don't believe anything you hear and only half of what you see. Yeah. Right. So, right. So you just kind of got to like do your own research. And if at the end of the day, you say, you know what, this is not for me. God bless you. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and hold on to the faith that you'll be okay. Because again, it's not everybody, people that you thought was going to get it. They chilling right now. Yeah. And it was the people that you didn't think that was going to get it. Those are the ones that got it. Exactly. Right. So. Again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Everybody's entitled to their own body. The only thing is that, you know, there's so many logistics now to, you can't go to school unless you get it. You know, you can't be in school in person. I just saw that. I'm, I'm still in school now, mm -hmm. right? Trying to, you know, get my life together in a different, in a different way. And it's like, you can't go in person unless you got it. Right, yeah. I have my own thoughts about that. You know, you're putting people in the bind now, right? right yeah. Kind of almost like you ain't got no choice but to get it. Sure, I don't I agree with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with, you know, you can't do this to better your life unless you do this. That's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but we just got to roll with the punches. And again, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. My my ultimate just whatever is to say, 
be safe. Yeah. Be as safe as you can be. Definitely. And that's it. Definitely. Yeah, I remember um like in the heat of it when you first shared the story. I think it was about Mr. Bailey. Um oh. with the, the iPad and the kids. I was like, man, because mm-hmm. like I knew it was bad, but like hearing somebody that you know given a firsthand experience, I, I definitely was praying. Mm-hmm. And everybody else. That, yeah. Oh, so I appreciate it. I just I definitely want to let you know that you you are appreciated you all the nursing staff the doctors the and like you said the people that change the trash and everybody Mm -hmm. that had to risk their lives during that time i i just wanted to kind of be able to give you a chance to share your story and let people really be able to hear what it was truly like because now that things have calmed down a little bit sometimes it's easy to forget how bad it really Mm -hmm. was Mm -hmm. and we we truly appreciate your efforts your sacrifice your heart because a lot of mm-hmm. stuff that I know you nurses do, you don't, it's not like written in your job description. You don't necessarily yeah, have to do it, but that goes along right. with having to have the right heart in order to be a nurse. So you right. you are definitely appreciated. And I pray God gives you, you more grace and that I pray Thank things get so much. somewhat easier. Because I know it's never going to be easy, easy, but somewhat. It's never going to be easy. Um, it's just, Every day is not going to be a good day, but it's as good as you would allow it to be, is what I tell myself every morning, every Absolutely. single morning. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's, 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 that's the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again. Right. Once again, this is Brittany Morris. Thank you. And we're so thankful that she, you were able to take this time because I know your schedule is super busy, as you described. So thank you. That's once all again. right. Thank you once again. So this has been another episode of The Interlude with Drew, as I always say. Take it one day at a time. Only what you do for Christ will last and keep it pushing. I'll catch you all next time. That's right. All right. Bye, guys. It's the Welcome to The Interlude with Drew.